This episode is brought to you by Meow Wolf. Manifest unique family memories at Meow Wolf Denver. Quantum travel is the most comfortable way for Earthers of all ages to explore a playground of imagination. And why visit just once when this immersive experience reshapes every time you enter? C Street is my favorite because C Street has this vibe of like 80s dystopian. There's like slime coming down the walls and there's weird posters. And then of course, the secret club. With the annual Portal Pass, drop by Convergence Station as much as you want for less than the cost of two adult tickets. So if you plan to go twice, it's worth it. Plus, enjoy discounts, special offers, and so much more. Get the annual Portal Pass and spend quality space time with your favorite Earthers today. Learn more at MeowWolf.com. That's MeowWolf.com. Hey, Denver, it's Bree. And I'm coming to you with a simple question. Do you have just $8 a month to support local journalism? Because we just launched our first ever membership program, and it's the best way to support our work. So if you like the podcast, if you find it useful or entertaining or both, please consider becoming a founding member of CityCast Denver today. Learn more and sign up at membership.citycast.fm. Today on CityCast Denver, Lincoln, Jefferson, Pasquinelle? Denver's ongoing reckoning with our past is now focusing on our park system, and there's a lot of debate over who we honor and why. So should six Denver parks be renamed or not? Plus, stick around for an interview with our sponsor, Brad Kellum of Bad Boy Boards. Today is Wednesday, September 20th. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Hi, Paul. Hey, good morning, Bree. So we're talking about parks today. Not just we sure are. Not just parks. I guess I should be, be more clear. We talk about parks a lot on the show because we love the park system. Um, but we're talking about the names of parks. What is in a name? And uh, there's been this sort of movement in the last couple of years. I think conversations really began here in the city of Denver after the 2020 George Floyd uprisings, when our country was really reckoning with how we commemorate people on monuments and statues and buildings and parks and here in Colorado, mountains, for instance, the Mount Evans situation. Sure. Just recently renamed officially Mount Blue Sky. Yes. So uh, this this conversation is extending to our parks and who is commemorated in our park system. And I think 20 parks were sort of up for debate. Uh, There was a conversation, there was a commission put together by the city of folks from other commissions, like Denver's African-American Commission, the American Indian Commission. Commission of commissions. It was a commission of commissions to discuss what these names mean and if we should change the names of some of our parks. And out of the 20 that they discussed, they came up with six that are really up for renaming. And so we're going to go through them, talk about who they're named after, and then, I don't know, our thoughts on what that name means to us or what we think we should do, right? Does yeah. That sound good? Yeah. Okay. I, we, we planned this weeks ago. It's and true. honestly, Brie, <laughs> I have been going back and forth on some of these ever since. Really? Like more than once, I think. I don't even know how I feel about it, at least two of them. I think I'm going to decide in the moment as we talk. Oh, good. I'm glad you're... I'm glad you're that passionate about it because I literally read this and was like, I know exactly how I feel. So oh, really? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, let's start. Uh, our first park is Jefferson Park, which is at Clay and West 22nd Avenue. 
this is council district one. It's the north side. Um, so there's a couple. There's Jefferson Park. There's Jefferson Square Park. And these were named after Thomas Jefferson, principal author of the Declaration of Independence and third, <laughs> notoriously third president of the United States. But I think the issue here is um, from the, the city's website is like, Jefferson was a slave owner and a participant in the slave trade. And Jefferson wrote extensively about race, um, attempting to reconcile his own slave ownership um, and the low place of uh, black Americans in the United States. And so uh, uh, this note was interesting to me. He held high regard for indigenous people. He also initiated their removal from other territories and opened the West for colonization. So, I mean, this is not an uncommon story, I feel like, for leaders of our country at this time. What did you think about this conversation around Jefferson and the renaming, Paul? Yeah, I mean, the Declaration of Independence, let's start there. So I'd like to just say a few words on the prospect of renaming this park. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the official names of parks that have been on signs for years and to assume the powers of the earth, the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. What is that? Yeah, so that's uh, that's paraphrasing the text of the Declaration of Independence. It's you know, it's not all just the one famous line. It's actually a whole bunch of gobbledygook. <laughs> that is my main point here. The Declaration of Independence doesn't hold up. Mm. Bad writing. Yeah. People are like Thomas Jefferson, one of the greatest writers. He laid out all this beautiful language that we built our country on. It's junk. Yeah. I'm ready to say goodbye to this document. Okay. I don't know about. Jefferson yet, but like, ugh, this this is not to his credit. And like the best part about it, the we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Lovely. Nice sentiment. But because he was a slave owner. I know, I was like, but uh, only applicable. Rapist, uh, yeah. Uh, like, Serial I, it's just, it's it's a hypocrisy. It's a contradiction. And uh, it's kind of the American contradiction embodied in this man. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Brie, what do you think? What do you think? I mean, it's a given to me. I don't know why we need to name anything else after this gentleman that was not even around when Colorado was founded. Like, That's another good point. There's so much in America named after, after Jefferson. I think we can let go of some of our parks and maybe be a city that really honors and focuses on our own history and our own selves. So final vote on Jefferson, name, naming up any parks after Jefferson here in, in Denver. What do you say, Paul? Well, I looked at the standard for how these committees are, are making these decisions. And it says that what they're doing is research and consider renaming city assets that represent historical social injustices in an effort to move towards the values of inclusion and reconciliation in Denver neighborhoods. I feel like with Jefferson, the historical injustices are the first thing that comes to my mind over his achievements. Uh, so um, I say dump them. I'm all for it. Rename it. I apps I agree. So All Jefferson right, check. Jefferson's out. Okay. So the next one is interesting because it is this uh it's a it's a longer story of a neighborhood that sort of changed over time here in Denver and um we have this park and this neighborhood La Alma Lincoln Park 
which is um, the park itself is at 11th Avenue in Mariposa. This is District 3. This is my district. This is like the old original West Side. And La Almond Lincoln Park is like a – it's two names together. Originally, it was Lincoln Park. Um, but let me – I'll read a little bit from the, the city. La Alma means the soul, and that was um, – the name of a prominent mural that is still there, um, painted by neighborhood artist Emmanuel Martinez in 1970. So La Alma is part of the history of the Chicano Civil Rights Movement. And it has been combined with Lincoln Park, which is the original name of the neighborhood, which is named after Abraham Lincoln, 16th president of the United States, who steered uh, the Union through the Civil War and issued the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, Lincoln authorized the execution of 38 Dakota men and commuted the death sentences of more than 260 others as a result of a deeply flawed trial of tribal combatants in the aftermath of the 1862 U.S.-Dakota War. So I think the conversation here is not about the La Alma part of it. This is about the Lincoln I assume part so. of it. I was assuming that as well. Um, well, Paul, what do you think about Link Lincoln's like pretty famous in our country. And there's a lot of stories that I think kind of gloss over his complexity as many of these yeah. folks are complex characters in history. Well, that's kind of the thing about this too, is like, if you name anything after a person, all, all, all of it comes with it, have strengths and weaknesses, have done great things, have done terrible things. So at a certain point, when you put someone's name on something, you're, are you endorsing the bad things? Are are you just celebrating the good things or are you taking them as a whole and saying on balance, this is a person that we think that our community would like to aspire to these values they represent. It's such a hard conversation because these things are all so subjective. Um, so anyway, I have a counter proposal and that is that we rename this uh, just Lincoln Park uh, but we spell it L-I-N-K-I-N oh Park to honor the brief rap rock fad of the early 2000s. Brie, I assume you're on board. This is a music Are you thing. kidding me, Paul? Thing. You are fired. What? First of all. You don't love? No, I mean, no. rest in peace, Chester Bennington. Respect to his family. But I am not a, a I'm not a Lincoln Park fan. And B, it's La Alma <laughs> already. That's already what I know it as. I don't see it as like La Alma Lincoln Park. It's La Alma Park. And what I, I what I actually really love about that name was that was chosen by the community and created as a term that the community used, whether the city was going to recognize it or not. And then eventually, I think the power of the community was so strong that the city said, okay, you've made this decision for yourself. It's like a true example of a community making a decision for itself and it being honored by the power structures that it exists under. So yeah. I'm all about which is La traditionally Alma. how parks have been renamed in the past. Like this process we're talking about now, very different. This sort of like top down. These are the ones we think are are not quite right anymore. La Raza Park also Colum That was Columbus Park forever. Again, I grew up here not even knowing that's what it was called until I saw the sign in the park. So I I, I don't know. Yeah, this to me is just such a cool symbol of the power of people. So I'm all about it. And also there's enough stuff named after Lincoln in this country. I think the ghost of Lincoln is fine. He's got plenty of things commemorating him, including one of our largest boulevards. <laughs> Lincoln yeah, I mean, Street Lincoln... and Broadway are two major thoroughfares through the middle of our city. He has a street. He's he fine. Does. 
Does he also need a park? I don't know. I agree. I, I think going to La Alma Park seems like the right way to go. Uh, on this one, it feels more uh, appropriate to me. But I don't, I'm not ready to cancel Lincoln yet, oh, personally. Okay. If that's what this conversation is about, is about like uh, taking this away from Lincoln, personally, I'm not ready to. To me, he... I recognize that he he ordered this execution or he oversaw this execution of Dakota people. That's awful. I didn't know about in that until this came up. To me, Lincoln represents the greatest act of racial justice in the country's history. And that's a great thing that totally embodies the values of Denver, in my opinion. So you're fine with keeping it? No, no, no. I'm with you. I, with I, okay. I think Alma Park is right, but I'm not ready to cancel you're not Lincoln. Canceling Lincoln. I'm ready to scrub his name off this park, but not cancel him. Okay. All right. The next one is a little bit more, I wouldn't say interesting, but it's different than these other situations with parks because it's very sort of hyper-local here. We have S.R. Jabor Park, which is at York and East Harvard in uh, Council District 6. So this is in South Denver. And um, this park was named after, oh gosh, I'm probably going to butcher this. Do you know, Paul? I say it's Sacco Rink de Boer. Sacco Rink de Boer uh, lived from 1883 to 1974. So he's probably the most current human being we're considering in this conversation. Um, was one of Denver's most influential landscape architects and early city planners. The prominent Denver landscape architect was also the co-author of the city's first zoning code. The park designs he created for Denver are beautiful. However, the city zoning he created in the 1920s is now considered exclusionary and discriminatory. Paul, I feel like you have strong feelings about this one. I, I do. I, uh, I have known about Sacco Rink de Boer and his influence on our city for a few years. I mean, we talked about this in our Best Parks episode a few weeks ago with Joshua Emerson. Um, he's the landscape architect um, and and designer of green spaces um, that responsible for the Alamo Placida Park and Hungarian Freedom Park. That's how I first encountered his work. Um, but his, his influence is really all over this city. He was one of the most esteemed and respected landscape architects in Denver at a time when Denver cared most about landscape architecture. This is the City Beautiful movement under Robert Speer, right at the turn of the last century. And really, DeBoer, like he, when when I'm saying he put his stamp on the city, he really did. He designed the Denver Botanic Gardens. That's huge. Here's just a, a one anecdote, though, about like what it actually meant to to be this level of like landscape architect at the time. Um, this is from the Colorado Encyclopedia, a quote, well-meaning private citizens and school children had planted the west end of City Park in the 1890s, resulting in a dense maze of circular roads, S-shaped walks, and large trees with no open spaces to provide relief and distance. When DeBoer began removing some of the trees, there was such a public outcry that he completed the work during snowstorms to avoid criticism. However, when the big sloping lawns appeared, Denver citizens stopped complaining and turned out en masse to enjoy them. So this is a guy who went against the grain and ended up pushing us forward despite the haters. And I think that's a pretty cool quality. That's a very Denver quality to me. But the zoning code, we have to speak to. Is this the zoning code? Is that something you were familiar with? Sure. I mean, I wasn't familiar with his role in particular, but I think as, again, I, my detour into urban planning was sparked by, I think, the fact that talking about conversations around affordable housing in Denver in the last 10 years always came back to zoning, how the city is zoned, determined, who could live where. Um, and so it has 
it's a thing that I think we have to reckon with too, is people made decisions a long time ago for whole communities on where they could or could not live in our city. And it, it formed the city that we know today. And so I can see where, uh, this could be controversial. Um, I struggle with the context of the time because he may not have been the like super racist or it's just like that was the it's so hard to I think he was quite racist he was apparently close with Benjamin Stapleton oh, okay. the Klan mayor well then you know what it's solved <laughs> Is I, it, that's I, enough I guess all I was saying was sometimes we don't know what it, it's hard to put people up against the current things that we judge people on in 2023 versus 1923 but I didn't know that but I mean if you're if you're homies with Stapleton who's like this huge influential member of the KKK also foundational in our city I would say you're probably a bad dude um it's it sucks because the again this is the complexity of a person our park system is something that makes the city incredible like you said the city beautiful movement shaped our neighborhoods and the, you know, like they incorporate the city beautiful movement was to incorporate green space into cities as other cities had not done this. Right. And they became sort of industrial hell holes and Denver didn't have that fate as much because we had this movement to in, incorporate uh green space into our neighborhood. So that's good. But no, if he's, if he's friends with Stapleton, I'm sorry, this man's out of here. <laughs> I'm done. Bree, this is, this is a tough one because I think so much of what he did for Denver is so great, but this zoning code, it's just, I'm sure it's a complicated story. I'm curious about it. I'd like to learn more about it and understand in his context, were the choices explicitly racist? Were they trying to segregate the city? But maybe it's not that complicated. You know, he was part of it. This is this is what it was. So, are these the values we want to have today? We want that we want to showcase today? No, no. I'm with you. Scrub it, dump it. Sorry, Debor. We're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, more controversial part names. Uh, our next park up for debate is Pasquinell's Landing. Am I saying that light, right? Pasquinell's? No idea. No idea. And maybe that's a sign for where we're going to end this part of the conversation. <laughs> I've also had never heard of this park prior to this conversation. It is at Same. West Evans Avenue and South Huron Street, City Council District 7. Uh, Pasquinell's Landing Park was named after a character in, a, in James A. Michener's novel Centennial, which was also made into a television miniseries. Pasquinel is a French fur trapper who enters a, quote, country marriage, that always sounds non-consensual, with a native <laughs> woman at the behest of her father. The TV, the television series based on the book was not immune to the discrimination and racial insensitivity common to Hollywood portrayals of people of color at the close of the 1970s until today. Okay, let me just say, this is my take. This is a park where they go, name a man, any man, name a man, just any, any is man. There a man is there a we white presenting man for. around here? Great. A fictional man, a fictional man from a book that's made into a miniseries. Perfect. Named, give this man a park. This is. It, it does feel lazy. It's bananas to me that we have a park named after a, it's not like, okay, if we're looking to literature, say, wouldn't we think 
who would we, who would be Which I'm our... not opposed to. A fictional character is the name of a park. I kind of like that idea. Right. So who would be our, who would be our guy? It would um, be a... Uh... Luke Skywalker. No. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I haven't read the book. I've it's like never 900 heard of pages. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you said it all. It's a fictional character. No one really cares about or knows. Dump it. Dump it. New name, please. <laughs> also, it's like we could not possibly imagine naming something after an indigenous person. So we picked a fictional fur trapper to do it instead. We've had stuff named after indigenous we people. We do, Little but I'm Raven saying- Street? Right, but I'm saying in this particular context, like when I think about the plat, I think about the confluence and I think about- uh, the the role of uh, the the water within the indigenous community before Colorado was here. I'm just saying, like, there's way other right. ways we could go about it. So, okay, Pasquinels out. We're totally we're done. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs> okay, our last one is Grant Frontier Park. This is at South Platte River Drive and West Harvard Avenue. Grant Frontier Park is located in Southwest Denver along the Platte River. This is the site of the original Montana City, which is one of the very first settlements in Denver's history, named in honor of Grant Junior High School, now Grant Middle School, whose teachers and students discovered and restored the site. They gave it the name, quote, Frontier. So there was this great quote from Nikki Gonzalez, a former state historian who's been on our show before, to explain why Frontier is so sort of controversial. And she said in 1893, leading historian of Western history at the time, Frederick Jackson Turner, believed that the frontier was a, quote, gradually moving Western line that represented the movement of American settlers into what is now the American West. And it basically wrote um, indigenous people out of the story. Yeah, it's an interesting new perspective on that word. And it does seem like not, not great. I mean, it's a very white perspective. This is the white history of Denver. And, uh, the erasure of indigenous peoples and really not, not great. I, I think this is a really fascinating one because it's not named after a person. It's named after a concept that's very foundational to who we are, but could we not honor someone cool instead? Well, know. that's the thing about this story. I think this story actually is really cool. The, the school kids and their teacher who uncovered this, the ruins of this settlement and the settlement, like, even that's a cool story. It was the first chartered. I learned this from Chase Woodruff's newsletter, friend of the show, Chase Woodruff, reporter, terrific reporter from Colorado Newsline. He also writes this great newsletter um, about the literature of the West. It's called Lit Out West. But he was saying it's um, it's the first chartered white settlement in the Denver area. It lasted less than a year before its inhabitants packed up and moved seven miles downriver to the confluence with Cherry Creek. But alternative name built right into it. Montana City. That was my thought. That was my thought was Montana City Park. Or I would think about other settlers that had uh, been in, involved in our creation of it as a city. But I do I do see your point, though, right now of connecting it back to the community of students that sort of created the space. Hey, why not? Or something else. I mean, there's so many options to name parks. We could be so much more creative with it. That's my argument overall. There's nothing named after Pat Schroeder. We should absolutely have a Pat Schroeder Park or a... Clara Brown or... Maybe we rename Evans Avenue. Yeah. Well, you know, I would love to hear from our listeners if you have thoughts on these parks, if they should be changed or not, or if you have some great ideas on who we could be renaming parks after. uh, Give us a call on our... Denver Park System renaming hotline at 720-500-5418. 
Let us know what you think. Maybe you have a personal connection. I know there's other parks we haven't discussed that are connected to families that still live in this city. So maybe a park's named after your great grandfather and you want people to know about it. Just tell us that story. Please, if you are that person and you know something about Joseph E. Cook, he's the namesake for my neighborhood park. And I can't find any information about him online except some pictures of him handing out like medals to kids and shaking hands with uh, fancy people. But I just know he was a judge. Who was this guy? (laughs) So if you know who Judge Joseph E. Cook was and why there's a park uh, named after him in Paul's neighborhood, in my childhood neighborhood, please let us know. Give us a call. 720-500-5418. Well, Paul, thanks for parsing through these these controversial parks uh, names with me. This was really fun. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks, Bree. And now, please enjoy this sponsored interview with Brad Kellum of Bad Boy Boards. If you're looking for the perfect gift for the home cook in your life, or maybe a sweet handcrafted chessboard, Bad Boy Boards has got you covered. Brad Kellum, welcome to CityCast Denver. Hi, Paul. So, Brad, I have to ask you this first because you all have advertised on the show before, and I think people are going to be wondering, are you the bad boy of Bad Boy Boards? We get asked that a lot, and we have on our crew, I'm a, I'm a retired firefighter. We have another retired firefighter, uh, or well, an active duty firefighter that's about to retire, and then we have two Afghanistan War veterans. And so we do have some bad boys in the shop. Heck yeah. I, I love it. That's such a interesting crew you brought together to make these boards. I got to hear the whole story. How'd you, uh, how'd you come to this? So back in 2021, I started making chess boards in my garage at home. I live in uh, Castle Rock and I just became addicted to woodworking. We started selling our chess boards at the local farmers markets in Parker and Castle Rock. And we were inundated with people asking us for cutting boards, different cutting boards, like face grain cutting boards, different sizes, different colors to match their kitchen. And so we started making cutting boards in the garage and just grew to love it. And our business has expanded. So now we're opening our first retail store. So now it's a cutting board slash chess board business. You're doing all the boards? That's correct. Yeah, we're doing all the boards. Wow. What's so different and special about these boards as opposed to other cutting boards I might have used? Our hardwood boards are priced in the same range and better as the boards you find at the big box stores, except they're made locally from hands you can shake. Most cutting boards will be imported, cheaper woods. They come in plastic sleeves. You really can't uh, touch them. It's a little impersonal. So... What we do is at our retail facility, we make the boards on site. You can watch us make the boards. We make them from locally sourced hardwoods. Well, we start from scratch and go to the, uh, a finished product right here at Bad Boy. So I can walk in your new retail shop, which is opening soon. I could order a board and then I could watch you make it? We have boards in the, sh- in the retail showroom that are ready for sale that can, that can go right now. Also, if you don't see a board that fits your particular need, we can take that order right there on the spot and turn around a cutting board for you in about 48 hours. Wow. So obviously, uh, the, the wooden boards, they're prettier. But other than just the aesthetics, is there some benefit 
for the home cook using the board over plastic? The plastic boards are known to harbor bacteria where mm. n- the natural hardwood boards are organically antibacterial. So just a little soap and water. We have our care product package. You can treat it with some oil. I'm curious about that care package you mentioned because you all very kindly dropped off a bad boy board at my home and I have been loving it so far. But it came with this kit of other products like to clean the board or or take care of it that I've never seen before. I'm just not familiar with that. Tell me about that. How do I use those? We developed those while woodworking. We developed our own wax, our own wood butter, and our cutting board oil in conjunction with my wife. She worked in the skincare business, and so she's sort of a chemist. (laughs) She, She helped us create a wood wax and oil that we liked better than the major competitor on the market. Our wax goes on smooth. It leaves a, a really great shine. Our applicator sponge is this, is a makeup sponge. It's really easy to use. It's, it's very cool. So that bad boy board is going to stay nice for me for years to come. I appreciate that. Well, Brad, this has been so great. Thank you so much for spending time with me. There's one last thing we got to do. We got to tell listeners where they can find out more about you. You can come to the Bad Boys Retail uh, Center at Littleton, Colorado, and visit us at badboyboards.com. You can use our 3D builder to build your own custom board on our website. Well, Brad Kellum, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Paul. If you're in the market for a handcrafted cutting board or chessboard, check out badboyboards.com today. You can find that link in our show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed this show, why not take a minute to tell Judge Joseph E. Cook's grandkids about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell Joseph E. Cook's grandparents, grandparents, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) they are very dead.